Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I am Chuck Peters, your host, and I'm joined today by not, not by just one wonderful guest, but two. Jana Magruder is here with me today. Hi, Jana. Hello, everyone. And we are, I'm going to hold back on who our second, who our, our, our special, special <laughs> big guest reveal. is. Big reveal. Big reveal. It's already <laughs> in the notes of the thing, so they already know that it's Dr. Kevin Jones, but we won't tell them that yet. Okay. We'll keep that between right. us. And I'll be quiet. He yes. will. See, you didn't hear that. We. You should all know that we are recording this episode at the Etch Family Ministry Conference here in Nashville. At the time we record this, it's October, and it's, yeah. it's the weather's starting to turn. It's, nice. and it's like sweater weather. Mm-hmm. We're getting sweater there. Weather. Sweater, sweater weather. I just saw a YouTube clip or something like that on social media. Saturday Night Live. Janice speaks that with me. It's our love language. Sweater weather. So go. it's getting, the it's weather's good. turning. Okay. I tell you that, listeners, for two reasons. One, because we would love to have you come and join us at the next Etch Family Ministry Conference. It's every October. It's always here in Nashville. It's our hometown. Mm -hmm. One of the great things about it is not only do you get to come and be with us on our turf, it's kind of like come over to our place and hang out, Yeah. but we have so many thought leaders uh, in ministry, in kids and student family ministry who, who come for the event that we get to connect with and sit down with, like Dr. Jones. We're so pleased to have you here. But if you come, listeners, you can get face-to-face mm-hmm. and you can interact. You can sit not just for a 15-minute podcast, but you can go to a full hour-long breakout session. You can catch somebody for lunch or coffee and have hallway conversations where you can not only have content, but have content in the context of relationship, which is so great. So Dr. Jones, we are so glad to have you with us today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, brother. For those who don't know you, let me read this awesome bio. Oh, Lord, don't do it. Dr. (laughs) Kevin Jones is a native of Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Did you say Louisville or Louisville? Yeah, I say Louisville. Louisville. If you say anything other than that, then you're not, you're you're an outsider. You'll yeah. be alienated quickly. Okay. You have to say it like you have molasses in you your mouth. Go. That's Louisville. Like Louisville. There you go. Louisville. Now you're he, in. He is <laughs> the co-editor of Removing the Stain of Racism from the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, diverse African-American and white perspective, and a contributor uh, or, and contributor in perspectives on family ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a longing to see fathers build resilient sons, to see Christian teachers and leaders influence the lives of students and children nationally and internationally. Uh, and he he is married to his high school sweet, sweetheart, right. D'Amika. D'Amika. You want to say, give D'Amica. a shout out to her? Yeah, so here's the deal. This, has, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is 2018. So 20 years ago, December 16th, I, uh, I asked her to be my girlfriend. I gave her a note. Oh. Check it. Yes or no. So oh, nice. Classic move. I'm telling you, bro. Right, right. Straight, straight. I made it up myself. Did it right? work? It worked. Whoa. She said yes. 20 years ago, she said yes. We've Dude, been married 15 for years now. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Did she Ooh, know then who you would be today? Man, did she have a, did she see the you future? You know what? Let's not discuss she that saw right potential. now. Yeah, you know. Let's just say she saw the potential in you. There you go. That's no, great. She has said that. But yeah, we know behind every good too. man is a great woman. Is we my know bride. That for sure. You got that right, man. And, so you, yeah. and you have three children. Yes. Kennedy, and Kevin, and Carson. How old are they? Kennedy is nine. That's my oldest daughter. Kevin Jr. is eight. And he's going to listen to this. And I'm the real Kevin. He often says he's the real Kevin. Okay. And calls me the fake Kevin. Okay. But uh, it's on record now. Then that's I'm the right. real Kevin. See, yeah, that's he's it. Kevin Jr. This makes right? it count. And then Carson, my youngest daughter, is five, going on 40. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hilarious. That's a lot about Carson. <laughs> 
Well, our topic today that we're going to discuss is the church's role in culture shaping. Mm -hmm. And we, we have some values at Lifeway Kids where, where we want to train up kids who are culture shapers, not culture shaped. Right. And that's something that we uh, as leaders need to be really in intentional about yeah. uh, to know what sort of result we're aiming for. Right. right. So let, let me set this up. So during during our session, Dr. Kevin Jones is going to share uh, some some things that are vital on, on how to prepare the next generation uh, with things like cultural you know, sensitivity, how we can learn to identify and understand opportunities and some challenges that affect uh, the home uh, and the church yeah. and what it is that we can do. And hopefully there's some good practical stuff in this for us yes, as we lead. Yes, so yeah. tell us, how, how can the church identify and understand its opportunity to, to shape culture? Yeah, um, that's a broad question. It's a good question, great question to, to lead in with, brother. And I thank you again just for for having me here today. I think, uh, I think first, the first thing the church needs to understand history. I think if we, if we have a right understanding of history, uh, both at, from, from a, from a Christian perspective, mm. what we may consider a secular, a, a sacred perspective, as well as a secular perspective, we have a better understanding on the influence of culture. I think sometimes as churches and even as believers, we sometimes doubt the influence uh, that culture actually has on our children and on, and on ourselves. And if we're not careful, we will misread things that have happened historically and they will continue again to happen. And so we got to be very careful. I think the first thing we have to do is, is to have our finger on history. A second thing, I think, as a, as a church, uh, we have to see the opportunities we have. And I think we see the opportunities we have by reading a lot. Mm. And, I, and I think uh, and I both, both Christian readers as well as non-Christian uh, authors, I'm sorry, as well as Christian authors and non-Christian authors, we have to read them. Mm. Uh, because we get a perspective, uh, we get a better perspective on where they're going and what they're thinking. And I think the best way to have your hand on, on on culture is to see what people outside of our Christian culture are thinking and doing and writing about. Because mm. uh, th there's not a lot of secrets as as relates to what people want to do as relates to to, to, to sexuality. Mm. It's out there. They're writing about it. They're doing research on it as relates to sports and 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 what mm. type of role sports will play in our culture, mm. as well as the ethnic posture and background makeup of people. People are speaking and writing about these things, and sometimes uh, we're not listening. Yeah. Not listening. So, awesome. So you have three kids. We've already talked about them. All three, they sound yes. awesome. Yep. Um, tell us what are what is the role of fathers in the role of in, in culture shaping? Because you talked about that, and it's a contributor in your bio yeah so tell us more about that yeah the role of fathers listen up dads is to not be cowards mm. yes oh and i mean that uh with all sincerity and all and all firmness uh dads can't be cowards we cannot let the culture dictate what our kids think and say and what i mean by that is dads fathers have to be bible readers yes right so so every every decision that i make everything that i say everything that i do uh, I'm asking myself, what does the Bible say about that? Hmm. And, and listen, can I just pause you for a second? Hey, we'll pause. Pause me. You speak in Scripture. So I've been around you just enough to know <laughs> okay. that you can recall Bible verses like no one I've mm. ever been around in my life. Well, the Lord is good. Let me tell you how that happened, okay? <laughs> Uh, first of all, that that's kind of you to say, and I think right now I probably won't be able to recall a scripture. <laughs> uh, 
so that that was just good Bible <laughs> trainers like 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 Richard Gaines early on mm-hmm. in my in my in my pastoral ministry and mm-hmm. Kevin Smith who's been a dear mentor and friend of mine said, Hey, you know, read through the one year by read through the Bible every single year. Mm-hmm. So that's been a habit of mine for about the last seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Curtis Woods, who's always said, Hey, be ready to preach at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Ryan Fullerton, a pastor I served under when we worked through memorizing Romans. So I'm just a product of great guys taking a lot of time spending with me. Well, it and shows so, well, and it's so natural. It just flows out of your wow. mouth. I mean, you sat with us in um, a workshop that we did over identifying discipleship traits for each age level of a child, starting with babies all the way up till sixth graders. Mm-hmm. And we have statements for each concept that a child can learn. Yeah. And you were able to come up with a scripture verse that mm. pointed to mm. almost hundreds of wow. these statements with mm. no, with ease. And it was so, it was, it was, it really challenged my heart. Mm. Jana, do you know scripture that well? No, but, but should you? Yes. And that's what you're saying back to fathers. We have to know it. To be able to coach and to, to have an influence on their children. You got to talk the talk. You got to talk the talk. And dads and and parent moms alike, you know, fathers, you know, but I think, um, we're called to lead. Mm. Yeah. And a part of what I serve on a board of manhood journey. And a part Mm. of what we do is we write curriculum for dads, small group Bible studies for fathers and, and the whole aim is, hey, how do we equip dads in order to love their kids well? Because the culture says, uh, and, I'm, and we're growing up in it now, hey, in, involve your kids in 10 athletic activities a year, a calendar year. They must mm-hmm. play all the sports, and their masculinity is based on that, and their manhood is based on that, or, mm-hmm. or even ac- academics. We have yeah. to be very careful, both girls and boys alike. Get them, get them super involved. Well, the Bible has something to say about that. Mm-hmm. Don't be overcome. Don't be conformed to the way of the world. The way of the world is clear. Yes. We play every single sport all year long now. Right. And my kids won't do that. Mm. They're going to get one a, one, a, one, a, uh, one a semester and that's it. Yeah. And if the Lord has given you a gift to be a soccer player or a golfer or a football player, I trust he will preserve that. Mm. But it's not going to be, it's yeah. not going to be on Sunday afternoon we're going to be practicing. I'm not taking you to practice every single day of the week. Right. Missing, missing church events and activities. So I know for, the kids ministers yeah. that are listening to you right now are resonating <laughs> because they've watched their attendance Man. drop. And we as the church have watched church yeah. rhythms completely change. And I would suggest that one of the main players in that is sports culture with travel ball. That's right. And taking families out of certainly weekday yes. opportunities to go to church, whether it's Wednesday night or another night. And Sunday nights seems like disappeared for a lot of us a long time ago. Yeah. And so sports culture certainly has. It's eating us alive. It is. Mm. And then we're giving our children over, young children, our, our teens, preteens. <clears throat> we're giving, excuse me, we're giving them over sometimes to, to non-believers, to unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, they're, and they're spending more time with unbelievers than they are with people who love the Lord. Here's what I know. All of us know this. Uh, none of us sitting around this table look, look like this 20 years ago. <laughs> no, Jenny, you look just like that, Jan. Jan is the exception. You're the only one, Jenny. You are the exception. You know? uh, but, but the fact of the matter is our physical capabilities they all dwindle. They deteriorate. And yeah. the only thing that lasts is the mm. word of the Lord. Mm. That's it. That's powerful. A kid can win state championships for four years in a row in baseball and basketball and football. And in five years after that, or three years, nobody's going to remember who that person is. That's exactly. right. Yep. And you can win the Olympics and have yeah. nobody remember who you right. are. Right. right. I can't name an Olympian who won something last year. That's right. Mm-mm. Hussein Bolt. He okay, was there good. we go. He was good. We but go. there's <laughs> one. That's one. That's it. Right. And... <laughs> There you go. But you're right, because we yeah. it's a lot of it's just chasing after the wind, it's right? To go the wind. with Solomon, it's you know, we, it, it, and but we chase it. 
We chase it. And that comes from the culture that impresses upon us. Yeah. Huh. We, we don't have the mind of Christ. See, the mind of Christ, as Paul wrote about, mm-hmm. what Paul said, hey, he reminded them, hey, you have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You have the mind of Christ, so act like it. Yes. And the mind of Christ was set on, not on extracurricular activities, sporting events, and, and, and making a big name for himself. It was set on the affections of God. Everything Jesus did, he thought, like, like this is for the kingdom. Yeah. And we don't have kingdom minds. We have, we have current minds. We have secular minds. Mm-hmm. Yes. We got to be careful for that. That's my word to dads and moms and anybody else who's raising Ooh, kids. I receive it. Good word. Good yeah. word. Um, something that's on our list to ask you um, that I selfishly really want to ask, because I have two boys who are in public school, mm-hmm. one daughter who's in Christian school. So tell to us about culture and what the role of, let's just say, a public school administrator is in, in that scene, in that, in that through that lens. Yeah, so public, I love, listen, I'm an advocate. Just clearly, let me, let me clearly state this uh, for the record. Uh, the Bible tells us to be salt and light. He tells us to go ye therefore. He calls mm-hmm. us to go into dark places. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like, I like going into places that are dark to be salt and light. And I'm not calling like secular, I mean, school, public school systems like completely dark places. We have some dark churches too. Uh, but I, I do know that uh, the Bible isn't trumpeted in public schools. It is not. The Holy Scriptures aren't written on the wall like they are in some of our Christian schools. And so I've always had a desire and, and, and a heartbeat for public schools. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think just um, for our school administrators, particularly those who are Christians, I think you just, you just stand firm. Thanks my, my word of encouragement to Christian administrators and, and school teachers is to stand firm, uh, to live out your faith, to outwork all, everybody else in the school. And when, and when you ask, like I was often asked, hey, why do you work so hard? I would often have to remind people I'm not working necessarily for this school or this school district. I'm working for God. Yes. And at the end of the day, he is my final authority. He, he, he is the individual. He is the creator that will give me my, my just due and my reward. And so oftentimes I would teach kids how to read. I taught first grade and absolutely loved it. Mm. And as I'm teaching kids phonemic skills, it was bigger than an end of the year academic assessment for me. It was about one day I want this kid to be able to read the Bible on their own. Wow. So I I want you to understand what BL says and what the long A and short A says and syntax and tone and annotation so that when you read the Bible, you can rightly understand the difference Mm. between the Song of Solomon, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. You you gotta understand all those things and reading teaches those things. So be encouraged. Be salt and light, and to those who are listening, uh, who may have, um, who may not quite understand the purpose of public schools and, and Christians in the public school and, and that sphere, I would say pray for those people, mm. and ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to serve in those places. Mm. Yeah, did I answer your question, Jana? Yeah, I just wanted to, sure? I, I wanted to draw out that you were a first grade teacher, number one, yeah, in public yeah. schools, oh, man, and I your heart it. for public schools. <laughs> yeah, as an encouragement for all of us oh, man, who, listen. who are doing that. Journey. To all my public school teachers yes. who are that believers, you spend on average 170 to 180 days in an academic year, anywhere from six to eight hours a day, with precious souls. Uh, Love them. Yeah. Love good. them. Pray over them. Pray with them. I'm not saying you have to proselytize in school. <laughs> I don't want you to lose, your, lose job. your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Nehemiah in the scripture, he's known. Nehemiah said those, those quick little prayers. You know, hey, give, give me faithfulness. And, and the Lord granted him faithfulness. So just pray over those babies and love mm. them well. And I learned that kind of stuff That's from great. my wife. My wife is a, is a faithful prayer and uh, has taught me how to pray and to seek God and believe God even through prayer. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, so another uh, part of our culture is ethnic diversity. Yeah. And that's something that you've spoken to and that you're well, well read on and well educated on and well spoken yeah. on. So t- give us some insight on that. What, how can the church lead in this area of, uh, of shaping, uh, you know, to help ethnic diversity? Yeah, I think the church has a great opportunity. When we read Revelation, uh, we, we see every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Boom. So if we just say, as believers, we believe every nation, every tribe, every tongue will sit at the feet of Jesus. Yes. Then we ought to be engaging every nation, every tribe, every tongue in as many ways as possible. And so I think, I think just a few ways for us is to, to listen to people who don't look like us. Yeah. I think that's the first thing many of, and I learned this from my wife. I learned a lot of stuff from her. Um, we'd be in conversation, say, you're not listening to me. <laughs> no, 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 for, for the record, this was some years ago. Yes, okay. Yes. We, we, Wait, we would she say that ago. or would you say that? Okay. <laughs> you know, but no, but no, honestly, in, in our first couple of years of marriage, she's like, you're not listening to me. Mm. And, and so often I'm around people who say, hey, we want to grow, we want to learn, we want to know, but we're not listening mm. to what other people are saying. And so I think, first of all, we need to listen, which, first, which means we need to close our mouths. Yeah. In order to listen to what you have to, you have to listen with a closed mouth and listen to, their, listen to other people's experiences mm-hmm. and their thoughts and their feelings and hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. A second thing, I think we ought to read diversely. Not only are we reading the Holy Scriptures, but there are writers, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, who are writing books for us to read that speak about their cultures. Yeah. And every class I teach now, at, at Boyce College and Southern Seminary, there, there are two books that you're always going to find. Right? One, one book will be by an ethnic minority, period. Every single class I teach, it's gonna be, you're going to have a book by an ethnic minority. Mm. Second, you're going to read a book by a female in the class, mm. period. That's great. Ethnic minority and a female. And then homeschoolers in particular mm-hmm. have like the greatest opportunity to do this. Yes. Why? Mm. Because they're creating their own curriculum. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's no mandated anything. You're creating your own curriculum. And so... Just, just reach out. I mean, there's a ton of resources at Lifeway yeah. right now that, that, that speak life for even young people on what ethnic diversity mm. looks like. And finally, I think you don't, you don't have to have all the answers immediately. Like, you don't have to be 25 or 35 and say, hey, I have all the answers. But I do think we ought to be 25, 35, and even 75 and still be willing to, willing to learn. Mm. Yes. So. Sorry, I took the scenic route to answer that question. Oh, that's, that's great. Funny. That's great. We've, so we've moved from, uh, we're a multi-ethnic family. Mm-hmm. I have two sons who came to us by adoption who are 10 and 12 yeah. from Ethiopia. Yeah. And we've just moved from homeschooling. We, yeah. we graduated our two daughters from homeschool, from that's the right. University of Mom. Okay, uh, yeah, and yeah. And now our boys great just school. entered into the public school system. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, uh, the things that you're saying are really connecting with me personally. Yeah. So I greatly appreciate that. Yeah. And historically, we've done a hybrid in our family. Right, so the way we pray now for our kids as it relates to school, my wife is an, is an educator as well. She taught in the public school, prayed in the public school, saw people saved in the public school. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so now we are, you know, this is part of her, our philosophy that she's really, really led in as, as a mom, as a mother, is uh, each kid, each year is how we make our decisions. Yep. Uh, each kid, each year. So last year, Kennedy was in public school at, uh, at Bates Elementary right in Louisville, Kentucky, and we had an opportunity to be salt and light in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mika went in and volunteered multiple times. Uh, about once a week, she was there helping them think through stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and Kennedy was a light. Kennedy was able to articulate why she had the belief she had. Mm-hmm. And they were all supported by Scripture. So. Put some handles on this for us yeah. as I'll try. kids ministry leaders yeah. in, the ch- in our church. Right, so we we may not have a platform at our public school. Yeah. We may have kids there, yep. uh, or may may have influence, but but we absolutely have opportunity and influence within the church setting. Yeah, what is it that we can do 
to affect culture in, in where we are? Yeah, I think we have to have we have to uh, train and equip our young people to be culture shapers. Mm-hmm. I think first we have to show them uh, what is right in the Bible and what is wrong in mainstream culture. Mm-hmm. Now here's the rub that I've experienced in my own churches. I won't talk about anybody else's church. Mm-hmm. Let me not even talk about my own church. Let me talk about some pretend churches here. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I've seen in, in, in the larger church, in the church at large, are parents who are still hung up in the world's culture. And it makes it much easier for their children to follow the path of the world. And so sometimes the pastor mm-hmm. of a church and youth pastor is not only competing against the kids' hearts, Yes. He's also competing against the heart of a parent or an overseer who is living vicariously mm. through their children, mm-hmm. either through music or arts or, or, or sports or, or, sports or any yeah. of those things. Mm-hmm. And so, so oftentimes, not only does a youth pastor and senior pastor or any other kind of pastor have to speak to the hearts of kids and young people, we also need to speak to the hearts of the adults and call them out when they're wrong. Like, uh, we, ha- we cannot be afraid. Uh, to call people out when they're wrong. We, we oppose people to their face when they're wrong and when they're leading kids astray for their good. And I think that takes boldness yeah. and it takes sincerity. And Paul said again, Paul says in the Bible, this, when, when I was among you, I didn't use lofty words, but I came to you fear and weakened and trembling. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we approach these issues with a sense of sobriety and say, hey, listen, like when talking to parents now, parents, like dad, mom, like wh- what kind of life are you really building for your kid right now? Mm-hmm. You're helping them build up all these false idols. And it starts at seven or eight. Travel ball at seven and eight now. That yeah. is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that's what we do in the church. We call our parents and overseers to the scripture. and We hold mm-hmm. them to the scripture and tell them when they're wrong. And then we equip them. With a ton of resources we have provided at Lifeway, I said we like I work for y'all. I don't work for Lifeway, y'all. <laughs> that they have at Lifeway in, in order to, in order to provide uh, straightforward ways mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they answer your question, brother? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. As an educator, I always want to make sure. It's great. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Anytime there's a follow up. Yeah. It's great. Well, hey, listen, we're going to wrap it up. We could talk so much more. This is a passion of both of ours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So church education. Mm-hmm. Scripture, family, family, sports. The whole oh, deal. You're, you're preaching yeah, to me it. too. Yeah, yeah. I've like, got sports can kids. I, can I say one more thing? Sure, yeah. please. Mm-hmm. I know we're running out of time. Hey, I'm not anti-sports. I'm not saying that. Dads and moms, I think sports are great. They're fun to be involved in. Physical exercise is good. It's a good thing. Competitiveness is a good thing. But we can also overdo it, and it can become an idol. Yes. yes. I and mean, I don't want people to hear it. Kevin plays soccer, and all the kids play soccer. We do that as a family. And Kevin plays basketball, and Kennedy does ballet, and Carson does gymnastics, and that's all they get. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying I'm anti-physical right. activities. I was a student athlete, and I still run and exercise just about every day now that I can. But I am saying we have to make sure that our physical bodies and athletics and nothing else, arts and sciences, don't become idols mm-hmm. for us. And we got to guard against that. And our calendars and our checkbooks will tell us that's who right. our idols are. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's a good word. Well, we will certainly link to uh, your profile and bio and uh, your resources that we talked mm-hmm. about at the beginning. Got it. And uh, we're looking forward to the panel that you're going to be on tomorrow. Got it. 
um, I'm excited about it as well. About racial reconciliation. Yep. And um, thank you thank so you. much thanks for, for making the trip me. down. Thanks for Dr. having Dr. Kevin me. Jones, thank you so much for sharing from your heart, for sharing thank your you, insights. We are we are better for having you here mm. at the Etch Conference mm. and here on the podcast. So man, thank so you. Kind of you, brother. And man, may the, may the Lord multiply your ministry and your influence. We, we are better for it. Listeners, thank you for listening. We trust that this episode, as all of our episodes, has reached you where you are and uh, challenges you to continue to evaluate what you're doing, to be intentional about how you lead in your context. And so we, we our prayers are with you as you look to uh, train up children who are culture shapers, not culture shaped. Thank you for listening, and we'll look for you again on another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.